Hey everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. We have a great episode lined up today, but before that, a word from our sponsors, World Business Chicago. As the city of Chicago's economic development organization, World Business Chicago drives inclusive growth and opportunity for our local tech, innovation, and startup ecosystem. They recently announced the 2022 Chicago Venture Summit, Future of Food, their new flagship conference to highlight why Chicago leads as a global capital for food innovation. Follow World Business Chicago on LinkedIn and Twitter for event details and other related news about our city's economic progress. Raj, thank you so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. It is a true pleasure to have you on the show. Very excited to dig into Oak Nine and talk a little bit more about what you all are building and uh, and uh, what the future holds for the company. But first, thanks so much for hopping on. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me on. So I guess we should just dive right in. I first want to note, I wish viewers could see, I wish we had uh, the video video podcast capabilities like some of the some of the Joe Rogan podcasts have because the backdrop that Raj has is very Chicago. It's very beautiful. Uh, so first, I just, I, I'm very sorry viewers can't see it. It's an excellent backdrop. I was actually going to say, your listeners are probably, will be grateful because they don't have to see my face then. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I think, uh, I think the backdrop speaks for itself. They'd be distracted <laughs> by the backdrop. So there you go. It'd be a win-win. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, Raj, would love love to first chat about, you know, what you're building, kind of a high level overview of the company and, uh, and, you know, sort of the industry you sit in. Sure. Absolutely. So um, I'm the CEO and co-founder here at Oak9. Um, what we have built is a cybersecurity software company. And so in, um, you know, it, it's a very different thing to have built in Chicago because there's been very few cybersecurity companies that have come around. But what we're really focused in on is securing the developer pipeline. So I'm not going to get super technical on you, Matt, you know, but uh, just from a very, very high level, there's a new phenomenon in the marketplace called infrastructure as code. So essentially what infrastructure as code is, is if you go back, you know, 10, 15 years, anytime you wanted to build an application, you'd need infrastructure underneath it. So essentially you'd have to put a server together, you'd need a, a storage, you'd need networking, et cetera. Now fast forward to today in the cloud, What's happened is all of that's been codified and all of that is being codified and sent to the cloud. So you can write, you know, some lines of code and then all of a sudden you can flip it over. It's in the cloud. You have your infrastructure set up and now developers can put applications out there. Now, what, the, what ends up happening is, you know, nobody has been securing the infrastructure's code the way that we are. And that's what's really making Oak9 very different. And I think one area, because I will be the first to admit when I first was introduced to the company as a non, you know, DevOps person, as a non, you know, no software engineering in my background, it was a very complex topic to tackle. But I think one area that's that's helpful to start, I think, is um, could you talk a little bit about the move to the cloud is obviously something that has been going on for the past 10 or 15 years. Some of the main providers are the Amazon Web Services. I'm sure most listeners probably have heard of AWS. You know, when you look at a software company's PL, AWS fees are usually the main thing in the COGS line item. Yeah. Um, so, so I think most viewers will be, listeners will be familiar with that. But the breadth of offerings 
from AWS, from, you know, um, from Azure, from, you know, Google's cloud offering. It's, it's kind of hard to get your mind around as a, you know, as, as somebody who's not familiar with this. Could you just speak a little bit to how many offerings, how many services are offered out there by these different cloud providers and, you know, why that prevent, presents challenges for these DevOps yeah. teams? Yeah. So, you know, there's, a, there's essentially thousands of, of services that are being offered. And if you look at the overall cloud marketplace, uh, you know, Gartner has a study where about 85% of all companies will be in the cloud by 2025, right? And then also, you know, the cloud spend for companies, you, you men mentioned it as a, a large COGS item, right? But it's sitting at $35 billion today, right? So the, the cloud market is huge. And what's happening is there's new services, new capabilities that continuously are being added. The key issue, that's, which is great, by the way, if you're a developer, because you have you have all the ammo in the arsenal to go after it and develop really, really fast. The problem is for security engineers is making sure that, or security organizations to make sure that it's secure enough to go out into production, to have you know, it exposed to the public, right? Is, is everything end-to-end -end secure? And that's really what Oak9 does is at the very beginning of your development life cycle, when you're just checking in the code, Oak9 is right there to help you secure it. And we stay out of the developer's way we're able to actually, you know, go into their own environments, be it Git or whatever it may be. They can do their updates in their own areas, in their own repositories, and it's it's on the fly uh, fixes that occur, right? So what we we try to help doing is like, you know, one one interesting stat that came out, and I'm a former IBM exec, so I'm going to drop an IBM stat that's out there. But you know, for once a application goes into production, if you have to make any fixes on it it costs you 100x more than it would have if it was pre-production. And what we're helping everyone to do is, you know, you've, you've probably heard the buzzword out there, shift left. You know, I, I'm really trying to create our own buzzword of start left, you know, because if you start at the very beginning, you don't have to worry about it at the end of your life cycle, right? So it's almost, I mean, taking this in complete analog terms, it, it feels like the difference between catching a product issue on the assembly line as opposed to needing to do a full product recall once there's 35,000 units out in the market. I absolutely love that analogy. There you go. I mean, you go. if you, know, you want to steal I that. I overly complicated it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. <laughs> Look, if you want to steal that, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Right. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Um, so it sounds like there's there's true there's two main trends that that you all are capitalizing on. Obviously, the cloud adoption that we've spoken about and the Gartner statistic is a great one, but also the increasing need for cybersecurity products at scale. How did you come by? I guess this opportunity. How did you first get introduced to this problem? And I'm sure this ties directly into kind of the founding story of the company. We'd love to kind of hear. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, that goes really into the founding story of this company. So, um, you know, uh, Oak9 was founded by three three founders. Uh, it was myself, uh, Akash Shah, who's our CTO, and Om Vyas, who's our chief product officer. Um, Akash actually comes from a very, very deep cybersecurity background, where Om comes from a very deep developer and DevOps background. And I bring more of the business background. So even though I sounded semi-technical, you know, those, those guys are way, way more technical than I am. But, you know, that, that's really the, the why and how Oak9 was formed is we saw this massive, massive uh, problem that was occurring in the industry where there's a ton of development work that's being done really, really fast, but limited security on it. 
especially with this area called infrastructure as code, because it's such a new phenomenon. There wasn't much securing going on. And so, you know, we started the company, we formally, you know, started, you know, getting out into the market around 2020. Um, Ohm and Akash were actually building the product a couple of years prior to that. And so, you know, as we were beginning to see the momentum happen in the market, we decided, you know, 2020, we thought 2020 would be a great year to start commercializing. You know, so we, we started commercializing in January and then, you know, around the March timeframe, good old COVID hit, which made it pretty interesting. But, um, you know, so that's really where it began is because, you know, uh, two, you know, two of the co-founders were actual practitioners living and breathing this with large healthcare companies, large fintech companies. And what we realized is like, this is a massive problem that's gonna get bigger and bigger as it goes. I mean, you know, another interesting stat was there's over 40%, um, there's over 40% of the companies that experience breaches in the cloud, right? So as it continues to grow, you're gonna see that number multiply. And what we wanted to do is help customers, you know, sooner than later, because we don't want them to be affected by a breach and then try figuring out how to remediate it. And 40% of companies experiencing breaches that I would imagine opens up the TAM here. I, I, I would love to hear kind of who, what's been your initial kind of beachhead strategy in terms of who you're selling into and, you know, how will that evolve over time? Is this, is this something that basically every business needs that's operating the cloud? Is it a question of kind of scale? Is there, you know, sort of a, a benchmark they need to clear in order for this to be kind of a, a valuable service? How do you kind of you know, figure out that go-to-market, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is it's essentially across the board. Um, you know, what, what you do see is smaller companies that uh, were, were built in the cloud era are way faster along in the cloud journey, right? So they are immediately using a lot of the additional cloud services that you highlighted, right? They're using infrastructure as code. They're using all these different key areas where larger companies you know, the, the word uh, or the term digital transformation, I, I personally feel is overused, but, you know, as they're going through their digital transformation, migrating from on-premise to the cloud, once you get to the cloud, right, that's when Oak9 can really help you. So it's any company that's really embracing the cloud, doing a lot of their development work in the cloud, we can immediately help them. And outside of, of what you're building, do you see many other companies trying to, to attack this problem in the way, in the way that you are? And if they are, is there something, you know, the, the true, I guess, competitive differentiation between maybe you and another competitor out there, uh, just kind of would love to hear about the landscape out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we actually had a, a couple of our competitors, uh, that we're tracking very, very closely last year get acquired. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was actually a very positive sign. Always a good sign. Well, it's showing, I mean, they were, they were acquired in the 200 million range. So yes, it was, it was definitely a positive sign um, to show that, you know, companies, larger companies were realizing that this is a pretty strong marketplace to go after. Uh, you know, the competitive differentiator. So, you know, since you're using analogies, I'll use an analogy, right? So essentially, you know, what our competitors have done is essentially they're able to do static checking. Essentially, they're looking through a bunch of rules. If you misconfigured it, they'll be able to do it. And then when you look at Oak9, what we're doing is we're holistically looking at your cloud architecture. So we understand all of the little pain points. So your the analogy for you on this one is, you know, our competitors are essentially using X-ray technology. So they'll be able to tell you that you may have broken a bone, right? What we're doing right now is we're doing an MRI on your body. We're figuring out all the issues that you have and being able to come up with a, a proper treatment for you versus just saying, hey, yeah, I did a scan on your wrist and you broke your wrist, right? 
And then for us, we're doing the MRI and saying, oh, by the way, you know, you have these additional issues internally that you need to fix as well. Otherwise, you're exposed. So that, that's my that's my analogy for. <laughs> I mean, you, you had to go. You had to one up me on the analogy front. Now I'm going to have to think of another one. No, God, no, I, I love your analogy. I'm going to use. It. <laughs> all right, all right. I might use yours too. I mean, we're just we're we're trading gems here. Um, no, no, that 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 all makes sense. I think from a you know from a I guess product landscape and and where you're looking to take this product it sounds like you've built something that you're already selling into large enterprises you're already selling into technology companies and and they're finding utility with the product as it stands today um what are some of the major milestones that you all have in mind or product you know you know developments in the next i guess 12 to 18 months that you're potentially looking to roll out yeah i mean actually in the next next month you're going to see some really exciting things happening, both from a product and from a go-to-market standpoint. So from a product standpoint, we're actually rolling out uh, what we're calling a freemium version. So essentially, if someone wants to try out one application's worth and give Oak9 a try, go ahead and try it. You can get onto our website and try it for free. Um, the other one is a little bit more technical, and I don't have an analogy for it. But essentially what it is, it's, it's called Security as Code Open Source. And so as you're familiar, there's this huge open source movement happening, et cetera. And so what we're allowing customers to do is actually our underpinning is what we call security as code blueprints. So that's how we set up the guardrails for your cloud environment to say, do not pass these guardrails. These are the compliance areas you need to get to. Now there's gonna be a lot of customers that say, especially the larger ones are asking for, well, they want their personally tailored blueprints. Now in an ideal world, I could hire a thousand security engineers and we could do that all day and night. What we're actually allowing customers to do is do it on your own. So we're gonna give you the ability to create your own blueprints and be able to build your own guardrails as you see fit versus having relying on Oak9 to do it for you. So we're, we're putting the, we're actually allowing, you know, security teams and development teams actually to have the power to do it on their own versus relying on someone else. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like you're almost adapting or have plans to adapt uh, a little bit of a product-led growth approach here in order to make it even easier for DevOps teams, for developers to plug this tool in. Was, is that, in your minds, is that a critical component of the next evolution of Oak9 is just making it as seamless as possible for dev developers? Absolutely. I mean, one thing, you know, if you've worked with developers in the past, you'll know is, um, you know, they don't, they don't want to interaction if they don't have to have it. Right? They'd much prefer uh, a frictionless experience where they can just go, they can just try it, you know, and they can just use the product on their own versus having to wait for, you know, someone to call them up and walk them through it or have a salesperson do it. So, you know, what our, our goal here is, you know, to allow the freedom for developers to, if you want to try it by yourself, go for it, right? And give them, put the power in their hands. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes a ton of sense. And is this something that your founding team sort of brought that expertise with you to the company? Or did you do customer interviews, customer calls? How did you sort of get inside the mindset of a DevOps, DevOps team? Because I think that's something that a lot of founders who are selling into enterprises or selling for a particular, you know, ideal customer profile, that's part of the journey, like trying to figure out exactly, you know, get under the, get under the hood, figure out what exactly your end customer you know, wants, needs, doesn't want, doesn't need. How did you all kind of, what, what did that journey look like for you? It was a mixture of both because, um, you know, 
though we were you know formed right before COVID and went through that in 2020, what we spent a lot of time doing in 2020 is speaking to customers, like hundreds and hundreds of customers about their pain points, what they needed and things like that. As, and so as we were developing the product, and we still do this to this day, is as we start getting customer feedback, you know, we have a very, very nimble and agile team where we can, within a two-week sprint, turn something around if this is a, a certain feature that a customer just really, really needs, right? And that's the beauty of having a development team. You know, the, the product-led growth part of it, it, it's a mixture of, obviously, you know, with, with Ohm's background coming from development and DevOps, but it's also, you know, it, it's where the market is headed today. I mean, I don't know if you're like a Spotify user, for example. I'd feel kind of weird if a, you know, a Spotify rep tried calling me up and having me walk through it. I want to do it on my own. If I have questions, I'll figure out a way to reach out to you. But I would prefer to just let it go on my own. Right? So, Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think as you, as you look out towards the next you know, five to 10 years of Oak Knight's journey, how do you view kind of competitive moats? Um, how do you view, you know, is it is it network effects? Does the product get better and better the more developers use it? Um, to me, that seems intuitively like that could be something that, you know, something that you can leverage or you can take advantage of in the future. But is that the case here that the product will continue to get stronger and stronger the oh, yeah. more? I mean, we look at the evolution. It's, it's interesting because we've spoken to customers that maybe we haven't spoken to in, in about six months, right? Just because they were going through reorgs, whatever it may be. And they see where the product has come thus far, different features that have come, right? And it really goes back to as as we continue to grow our customer base, we're going to continue to get more and more inputs from our customers on, hey, this feature would be really cool. Whereas we're getting to larger customers, they have a you know additional use cases that we may not have thought about. Or if they're a bleeding edge shop, you know, they're going to have some really crazy edge cases. But that's actually what's really exciting is because we want to build that into our product and we have the ability to do so because you know, we've hired some really, really talented, both um, you know, development engineers and security engineers that can, you know, within within a, a quick turnaround, can get that back to our customers fairly fast. We talked about this a little bit before the show. Um, you know, the the journey of Oak Nine. You you basically started out during a pandemic, and uh, it seems like you've definitely hit an inflection point. It feels like in the last few months, right up leading to a uh, potential global uh, tech sector. <laughs> tech sector downturn. Yeah. So at this point, I don't know how much more could be thrown thrown at the team, but it definitely has been an interesting journey. I'm curious about your thoughts on um and it's it's still early, but this, you know, this this downturn is definitely hitting tech companies first and foremost and and generally speaking a lot of these companies are cloud adopters and would seem like, you know, great early adopters of the product. Do you feel like though this is a product that is that is truly a must-have as opposed to a nice-to-have. Even in a recessionary environment, you feel like um, you know this. The value prop will will shine through and still be something that resonates with you know with with corporations that are trying to decide where to allocate budgeting resources to, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, it, it's, it's going to become more of a must-have, unfortunately, in this type of environment. Because you know, as we're seeing, you know, every single day there's different rounds of layoffs. There's, you know, short, soon enough, staffs are becoming, you know, short-staffed. And so, you know, it was already the demand for, you know, security teams and security engineers was already at an all-time high. And now, with this type of environment occurring, it's going to be even worse. And so, you know, what one one thing that you know we're able to do is help offset, you know, the requirement for 
having to add additional security engineers into your environment, having to add additional developers, because since this product is automated, it's continuously running in your background, you don't need someone monitoring it 24-7. It's happening for you, right? And as soon as that there's a, a security drift or something's gone off the guardrails, you get an immediate alert. So what that's going to help is as you know, companies are looking to transition or downside, which, downsize, which unfortunately is happening in this environment, that's where a, a technology like Oak9 can help you actually keep the momentum going that you've already built. And how did you all think about pricing the product? I mean, because to me, it feels like you've all built something that is seemingly unique and novel and obviously not a product that, you know, the the status quo was effectively, uh, you know, nothing. Um, so so how did you all go about that process of, of figuring out the right price points? Um, and, and, you know, how did that sort of, how does that evolution look like in the future? Yeah, I mean, with, with you know, as all, you know, early stage companies, it's, it's trial and error at the beginning, right? Tossed out a million dollars and no, no one said yes just yet at it. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, but what we realized is, you know, as, as different companies have are, are different stages of their cloud evolution, some companies, they may be small in nature or in valuation, whatever, but they're, they may be, have massive cloud footprints. Where you know larger companies, if they're as they're going through the digital transformation, they may have smaller ones. So the way that we do it is that you know the whatever Oak Nine is covering from your cloud standpoint is the way that we base the pricing. So we try to keep it very very simple. You know we we call it T-shirt estimates, right? So it's a small, medium, large, um, or if you need it, extra large, right? But it's it's really just the the size of environment, and and we want to give our customers the flexibility that they can they can shift up and down and not feel like they're their contractual obligated to something massive, right? So that's that's actually super insightful. It's a conversation we don't usually have um, that often, actually, on the show. Um, but a lot of times, we're just talking to you know people who are just you know building a SaaS product for a different industry, and so there's a lot of kind of comps you can take and you know ways of I guess uh, narrowing down you know your pricing. And so I think the novelty of what what you're offering kind of always just has me curious about how you sort of go about that process. But I'd love in the you know in the in the spirit of pricing and in the spirit of letting the market decide what something is valued at, I'd love to kind of just discuss your discuss your fundraising journey because it's a really unique story. In that you raised um, a seed round from both a kind of a longstanding Chicago, um, you know, investor in Hyde Park Angels, and then one of the, you know, most well-respected venture funds in the entire world, based in Silicon Valley, in Menlo Ventures. So, would love to hear kind of the genesis of that and and how that sort of round came together. Yeah. Well, it was uh, so you know. If we go back a couple of years to you know January 2020, we we started the company. Everyone's giving us a pat on the back. We have an amazing product uh, or a vision for the product at that time, and um, you know so we started our fundraising journey along the, the way. And um, you know both myself and my other two uh, co-founders were all based in Chicago. We're all first-time founders, and so uh, it was a it was a tough journey, right? Um, you know, and it was all over Zoom because no one could see each other, everyone's in isolation. And so, you know, we went through a pretty long process of trying to figure, you know, trying to get the right VCs in play. And, you know, in the back of my, our minds all the time was we wanted, you know, an A-list VC to back us. And, you know, what, what ended up happening in the fall, and it was, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't all rosy along the way, right? It was, it was very difficult because, you know, A, you got three first-time founders, B, we're based in Chicago, 
right? We're not in the Valley or we're not in the East Coast. And then, and then C, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic. And so, you know, everyone is remote, right? So you don't get an opportunity to talk to a person face-to-face, -face, meet them and get to know them, right? And that's really what's critical is what uh, VCs look for in you know new entrepreneurs is they want to meet them face to face they want to understand that these guys at least have the grit to what it takes to build a startup right and so around the august time frame I, you know got a little frustrated I, i'm like i knew there was a market there i knew we need to start accelerating and you know we weren't getting the right vcs right that we wanted we, we got some like lowball offers here and there but not what we really wanted and so you know i decided to reach out to my network uh, along with, uh, you know, some angels that uh, we've known and, and raised our first initial offering. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, you know, fast forward to December. And, you know, as we, you know, when we started doing with our initial round of funding, we started hiring engineers, you know, everyone was contract, started bringing them on board, starting to build uh, the, the, the team that, you know, are all with us still today, which is pretty awesome, right? And so, and then, you know, fast forward to December, something was in the water, don't know what was happening, but within uh, you know a two to three day period, we ended up with four term sheets, you know. Um, and then you know I fast forward to February, and obviously you know I realized what was happening is one of our key competitors got acquired for a very large amount. So you know I always joke around with our VCs like everyone got a steal on this one, right? <laughs> but um, but no, I mean it was you know look it was a very difficult uh, and trying journey for the first you know 11 months of that year because we we're still trying to figure everything out. We're still trying to understand how to, you know, essentially sell ourselves and sell the vision of the company to folks that don't know you worth squat, right? And so that's where, um, you know, it was, a, it was definitely a learning experience, but, um, you know, it ended up being a great experience having partners like Menlo um, and Hyde Park. Did, did, do you think COVID might have actually opened the door for, um, you know, a Menlo Ventures, for example, backing a cybersecurity company based in Chicago, just kind of that, that remote environment. Do they sort of ever, you know, when they spoke to you, did they even sort of recognize like, wow, we're really making a cybersecurity investment in Chicago. I can't believe this is happening, but we love you guys. So we're going to go for it. You know, I think that, I don't know if COVID actually helped us. I, I don't think it's helped anyone in the world. Um, but I don't think it really helped us as, as much. I think what Menlo saw uh, in the founding team is, you know, the three of us have known each other for over 20 years, right? We live two blocks away from each other, right? Um, and so we obviously know where to find each other when needed, right? And so, you know, I think what Menlo saw was the strong synergies, you know, and rarely do you have a founding team that can actually bring three very different skill sets to the table. And I think that's what they saw, you know, and uh, I wouldn't say COVID really helped us at that point, you know, but it's it, it, it actually taught us how to adapt and be extremely scrappy. I mean, we hired majority of our employees over COVID, which is pretty wild, right? And until last year in June was the very first time that we actually had all of our employees come together. You know, and so imagine just seeing people on a video screen for the past year and a half, and that's all you know them of. And then you get actually get to meet them in person, which was which was an amazing opportunity. Uh, final question: I got to know, you guys all live so close to each other in Chicago. What's like the Friday afternoon neighborhood pub you hit when you know it's been a, a great week or a bad week? Do you guys have a spot? I'm gonna do a. I'll do a plug for the, this place, but we've never really got a discount from them yet. So hopefully they'll <laughs> listen to this. No. So the the pub that we used to it's not even a pub, but uh, the restaurant bar we used to meet at was a place called Earl's. 
Okay. And uh, on, on, it was on Fridays, they would have, uh, you know, $5 drinks, right? And we'd sit down and literally with our laptops start working on, and this is even before I started even, uh, you know, it came on board to uh, help co-found Oak Nine. And we're going through the ideas and the art of the possible, right? You toss in a $5 old fashioned and, you know, the mindset flows to a different level. And, you know, and so Earl's is our spot, you know, it's right across the street from Omanakash. It's a, you know, block and a half, two blocks away from me. And it's just like, it's always our spot, you know, and we actually have our, our table that we'd always get sat at when we go there. And actually Ohm took his, uh, as a, as a thank you for one of our key um, product releases. Uh, he took his team out there as a thank you and, and uh, two Earl's to show them where it all began. So uh, that, that is, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that, that was our spot. <laughs> all right. All right. looks like we're going to have to put a word in with Earl's to get you guys uh -huh. an honor. I don't know, honorary plaque or something, at least like a discount. I, I, just, want, I just want a startup discount. Give me like 10% yeah. off my check. That's all I need. All right. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Um, Raj, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Really, really appreciate you taking the time. If people want to uh, learn more about Oak9 or, or follow you or the company, where should they go? Hello at oak9.io. We're also on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter, Instagram. I just found out we have a TikTok account. Not sure what's on there, but I still need to figure out how to use that. But um, yeah, so we're all over social media. But if anyone wants to reach out, just reach out to hello at oak9.io and I'd love to you know, meet you and, uh, you know, Matt, we had an opportunity to take a look at the office. I, I hope to host some more local Chicago type of events here at the office on Michigan Avenue as well. So. I can I can give a ringing endorsement for their office. It is absolutely fantastic, and I will likely be working from there at some point in the near future. Very Anytime. near future. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, Raj, thank you. Thank you very much. You bet.